Greetings and welcome back, everyone, to Let's Talk About Star Wars. I'm Garrett, here with Jenny and Tom. The whole crew is here. I don't know which one of us is like the caretaker, which one of us is the old wise uh, Ugnaught, and which one of us is uh, Cara Dune, rapidly becoming one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Uh, but we're here. We're here. None of us... The, 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 what's for sure, Garrett, is this is the way. You have spoken. When <laughs> we have spoken. <laughs> we are here to talk about uh, the final chapter of season one of The Mandalorian, chapter eight, titled Redemption. Uh, we, we, we got here, folks. We got here a little late, just like we did with Rise of Skywalker, but that's all right. We're, it's the end of the year. We, yes, it is. it is. It's holidays. Tom's about to leave for CES. It's insanity, y'all. It it's is the beginning insane. of the year. I don't know what year it is. I don't know when it is. It's the 20s, y'all. All, all I know is it is far too far away from the next season of The Mandalorian. Which we actually know for sure is happening. Not that we had any doubts, but, you know, John Favreau did a little tweet with the topless Gamorrean saying, confirmed, coming in the autumn, we're going to get season two. A Gamorrean in their underwear is something I never needed to see. <laughs> it looks like, uh, honestly, it looks a little bit like a bad uh, Skyrim mod. <laughs> it really does. You're right. It's a little on the nose. <laughs> On the pig nose, uh, one might say, but yeah, um, I'm. Ex- I think we're all clearly excited about that. We're all excited about Clone Wars getting a, an official release date in the middle of February. But we're here to talk about the season one finale of The Mandalorian. So let's get right into it with probably my favorite cold open in the history of television. Whoa! Really? I wish I could remember it. You don't remember. <laughs> Scout troopers that can't yes, shoot beating the crap out of an adorable baby Yoda in a The reason a, for a week that people hated Jason Sudeikis, one I of the know. most loved comedians in America. It definitely went on longer than a week. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, probably you're right. <laughs> one of my family members on Facebook that I never really hear from posted Jason Sudeikis's picture like yesterday and said, All right, we have the culprit. Let's get him. <laughs> It was a, a a pretty uncomfortable and yet hilarious uh, opening for sure. Oh, it was it was so funny. I it it I love the one eighty from it too because the the final scenes with the scout with the scout troopers on their speeder bikes uh, in last week's cliffhanger, scout troopers have never looked cooler. Right, mm-hmm. this is like. I just watched Return of the Jedi. It just right. happened. And I love the speeder bike chasing. It is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. But it looks a little old and busted. Okay? Like, you can see the seams. It's not the best looking compositing in the world. So, it was really cool for me at the end of the previous episode to see speeder bikes in all their glory. Like, looking badass and really cool. And if, if Top Gear did a segment on a speeder bike, that's what it would have looked like. And then we open this week... With these scout troopers are two of the dumbest individuals in the galaxy, <laughs> and it oh, it was Taika Waititi. Could you just direct all the things, please? Because I love your brand of humor. Well, who wrote this episode too? Because I, you know, you got to give that that person credit, uh, and obviously the two actors, because uh, it all came together with magic for sure. It it just again reminded me kind of like of why I liked Ragnarok so much. Cause it was such a good mix of painful laughing fits with really well-directed action. 
Although John Favreau wrote this episode. So yeah, he and Taika together. Wow. That's a powerhouse. Yeah. Group. It's, it's solid for sure. Um, also, <clears throat> I read somewhere and it is very true that Stormtrooper bad aim is now officially canon. That's right. <laughs> That's not my observation. It is a retweet in voice form. So, but it is true. When Sadeka's scout trooper like held his gun up to his head, helmet and and shook it around, that was just foley work of a rattle can, right? Yeah. Because it was so on the nose. Um, and then we finally see. Also, IG- um, I, I think we need to make sure we deal out some hate to Adam Polly as yes. well. Just because Sudeikis whapped the baby, Adam Pally didn't really try to stop him. That's right. Also, he Adam Pally punches it when it bites his finger. Yeah. That's oh, that's right. He gets in a punch too. He so he's he's not innocent in this. Yeah. Peter Prentice from the Mindy Project. <laughs> yep. And then we finally IG Eleven shows up. I don't I don't know um, what what took him so long because right could have shown uh, up a minute. Timing is what took him so long because <laughs> otherwise I don't think there's any reason why IG Eleven isn't there. Uh, he could have showed up a you know, walked down the the ramp of of the Razor Crest a little sooner and saved Queel's butt. But uh, whatever the case is. Y'all, this is one of my favorite tropes in science fiction, which is the the droid that is programmed to do things other than kill and finding reasons to make it kill. Yes. Yeah, a moment moment uh, for Quill. Uh, he he will be missed. Maybe we'll get some flashbacks. Who knows? But probably not. I I, I think I think Quill might be uh, might be. I, remind me to come back around to this when we talk about leaving most of the side characters at the end of this episode. Oh yeah, I've got right. a thought. I've got a thought. Because uh, we're taking as long to get through this brief opening scene as Moff Gideon took to get through his speech. Oh, that was probably my favorite part of this. Whole, like my favorite gag of this whole bit was them being like, "Oh, oh, hold on, hold on." He just killed a guy for interrupting his speech. Uh, like. <laughs> It's just this, this like wonderful riffing on the over over theatrics of imperial officers. Like I loved it. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole that whole sequence was just genius. Very good. Very solid. And then then we get to see Gideon's speech where he's giving us exposition on all the heroes' identities, which was a nice little recap for us uh, as viewers. And also a way for him to kind of show off that he knows who he's dealing with. Yeah, and and Mando knows Gideon because when when he reveals that Mando's name is Din Djarin, uh, like and after all that exposition, the Mandalorian reveals that it, it has to. Be, he's like, it has to be Moff Gideon, and we find out that it was supposedly Moff Gideon was executed for war crimes, was involved in the purge, but clearly didn't die. Yeah, and, and this is the big reveal of Mando's name. Yeah, among other things. I mean, right. if, as long as you didn't see that one interview with Pedro Pascal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's the in-universe revealing. Of its yeah, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. It it's, um, ends up not being that big of a reveal because it's not someone we know already. And we right. don't really get any any other illuminations of of Mandalorian's past. past As it should be. Little is, bits, little bits at a time. I like yeah, that. Yeah, we get the full flashback scene, not intercut, which ends in the way I assumed it did, with ma- uh, an entire Mandalorian, I guess, clan showing up to to save Din. And I got to say, that Mandalorian clan looks a whole lot like the Death Watch colors from Clone Wars. <laughs> 
I think it's supposed to. Don't know if it's supposed to be the Death Watch, folks, because uh, it's later, right? Well, I guess it wouldn't be that much later, though, because he's a baby or a kid. He's yeah. a kid. Uh, Someday I'm going to paint my wall of my office white and I'm just going to create straight lines across it and make a timeline of everything that happens in the Star Wars universe. Just so you can look right at it. Yeah. Dinjar and Born. Also the Death Watch. Like I'm so, it takes me like 10 (laughs) minutes to figure out like, where are we now? We're five years after the Empire, the end of the Empire. Okay. Uh, I had such a great time over the holiday break explaining to friends and family when this took place because Every single one of them thought Baby Yoda was actually Baby Yoda. And they're like, oh, because everybody's calling him Baby Yoda. See, that's the danger with a nickname like that. (laughs) Like even even one of my very, very close friends who's a fairly large Star Wars nerd was just like, oh, this takes place before, like way before. Right. I'm like, no, dude, this is after the emperor got thrown down the pit five years after. And he goes. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I'm like, yes, yes, I mean, it does. Yeah, if you ignore all of the mentions of the Empire falling apart, it, there's nothing else to tell you what time it's in, I guess, except maybe the X-Wing showing up. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I mean, it's it's what I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to fan shame. I think, you, I think you could be a pretty damn big Star Wars fan and maybe not pay that close attention to things like what era certain ships show up or what era certain armor mm-hmm. shows up. Right. I'm going to go on the record and just say for all of us, you could be any kind of Star Wars fan you want to be at any point you ever want to be it. Yes. With as indeed. much depth or as much simplicity as you wish. And I second that emotion. Yes. <laughs> for the record. Uh, which, which, uh, which is, reminds me of, of uh, an exchange that Eileen and I had when we were watching this uh, in, in Japan on our hotel bed. Uh, Kara is from Alderaan and Eileen's like, Huge. how is that possible? I'm like, she just wasn't on planet when it blew up, I guess. So, oh Huge. yeah. Wonder where she was. Oh my gosh. Here's another Alderanian. We've barely ever seen another Alderanian that wasn't princess Leia. Right. Like, this you know, be- I will jump in here with a legends uh, reference when there were all those books in the legends canon or the extended universe, whatever they call it, that uh, were about princess Leia. She always had a bodyguard named winter. And Winter was like this six foot tall giant, uh, like could kill you, but was very quiet. Like, uh, it's really interesting. I feel like maybe they took the DNA of Winter. Oh, like and a sort Bobby of Draper from the Expanse kind of Very character. much like Bobby Draper, yes. Uh-huh. And so, um, although this was in the 90s. Uh, right, so right. Uh, Winter Selchu, according to yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Winter, but um, this is definitely. Apparently, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I just thought uh, that was an interesting thing. Well, yeah, I um, this that was one of the of of all the things that Gideon rattled off and informed us of. That was the one that hit me the hardest, Um, because you're right. We haven't really dealt with that many Alderanians, and we haven't really like. I think we like we all read uh, Princess of Alderaan. Like we've we've I know the three of us have consumed a decent amount of extended media from the new canon, and you know in Clone Wars and in in Princess of Alderaan, like Alderaan's kind of you know they're kind of peaceful. Like yeah, the the rebellion started there, but you, it, there's kind of a sense of pacifism. Uh, yeah, uh, like right. generally associated with with Alderaan. So Cara Dune being essentially like SEAL Team 6 is not my view of Alderaan at all, and I love that. Um, and it also made uh, the previous episode where Mando conscripts her, 
makes it it layered onto it when it, you know when he said they're imperials when he's having trouble convincing her right, to come join right. his crew and he says well they're imperials and she's like that's all i needed to know i'm in now it makes okay. absolute sense absolutely uh, yeah and and it lends a little aspect to her once having been respected but now being hunted right it's it's sort of like you know her world has fallen apart she probably was a very upstanding you know defender of peace in the past and then her world literally was torn apart yeah yeah who who knows like i feel like the, the you could kind of take Kara in any direction you really want i also kind of like yeah, the idea of maybe great. maybe she was just always a righteous badass even before you know alderaan blew up but she also seems mm-hmm. kind of young so i bet she was young when alderaan went kaput well i mean this is taking place right after return of the jedi so she's not that much younger than leia who was 19 i think we're supposed to be believed when the death star blew up all that's a good point yeah i don't i don't actually know how many years are between yavin and battle of endor it's only like three or four i think it's not that much i don't know off the top of my head so yeah i guess you wouldn't have been that much younger where's your timeline jenny we need it i know there's all kinds of timelines and i'm sure people are shouting at the at the uh at their podcaster player of choice right now uh you feel free to email us and let us know uh and 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 feel good about it <laughs> yes yeah but um yeah we also find out that grief karga is a disgraced magistrate so good that for makes it. sense yeah although yes yeah i guess so sure why not him being like a lawman is seems a little funky to me yeah, lawman who turned because, you know, the order there, there are corrupt lawmen. So he, you know, was, that's how I looked at it. Like, oh, he was the, the chief of police who was corrupt and then, you know, got discovered. So there you go. Yeah. Then we get the whole uh, Mandalorian isn't a race. It's a creed line drop. Hmm. <sighs> is it about this? Yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm oh, curious. Mandalorian okay. is a race. Yes, my that thought. was my first thought. Uh, my second thought was, well, we don't really know that. We know there are families and we know there are there was a planet. But I went back and watched some of those Mandalorian episodes and the Mandalorians all seem to be living in domes on an otherwise barren planet. Am I wrong? On Mandalorian, on Mandalore, at least when we yeah. saw it in Clone Wars. Yes. Yeah. So you could imagine that well, in Clone Wars, I guess they had full fledged cities and then rebels. We were mostly subjected. to. I don't just know. I've really got to dig Mandalore, obviously becoming increasingly important. But I guess my point is we don't we know there are families, but we don't know anything about Mandalore. Like we know there's the creases and we know there's the Vizlas and we know there's the Wrens. But that's it. They could all be different um, like races or they don't even have to be human. So I could totally see. um a universe in which Mandalore meant people from that planet the way it does people from our planet, I guess. Yeah, right. I immediately thought of Judaism. Yeah. Where it is both a a a people, but also a belief. Yeah. And I was like, I think that parallel may be intentional. Mandalore isn't just a people. Maybe it was at one point, but it is now a creed. Yeah. And it had and- to be in order to survive. Right. But the, the other thing, too, is like it kind of 
I don't know. I, and I was going on, I was on Twitter talking about this saying like, I'm really curious, like when did the never take your helmet thing come off? Cause in clone wars, Mandalorians are taking their helmets off right and left. Uh, right. Right. And I, so that's obviously a tradition that was started pop possibly after the purge, maybe as a, a way to protect identities. Yeah. And maybe, if we're going to, or is it, con- sorry, go ahead, Jenny. If we're going to continue the Judaism analogy, there's all different kinds of, um, different ways to express the religion. So sure. lots of different ways. I'm sure there's Mandalorians out there taking off their helmets all the time. These ah, are- those, those progressive helmet taker offers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the reformalorian. The reformalorian. That's yeah. That's kind of where I'm, I'm everybody. That's where I'm leaning here is, is that there are different clans and houses be, like ha- hold different beliefs it's just that I feel like the show is kind of teeing this up as like, this is the your hardcore Mandalorian lore. And I'm like, well, no, it's much more murky than that. Um, and the idea of Mandalorians bringing in non like native born Mandalorians into their tribe is not a new thing. Like, cause Django Fett, I, I think the, I don't even think, is this legends or is it canon that I'm pretty sure it was canon that he was considered Mandalorian, but he was brought in. He is not actually a native born Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think it's very loosey goosey uh, what what a Mandalorian ever was, and certainly in the time from Clone Wars until Return of the Jedi, many changes and new traditions could have taken root. Yeah. Oh, you know what? When I flip to the canon tab on Wikipedia, that's not mentioning that he was taken in by Mandalorians. They may have retconned the Jango Fett. I may be working well, on legend. It's, it's knowledge. probably that it was it was put in legends before they got rid of the canon, and they just haven't touched on it since. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, new canon says Mandalore sees him as nothing but a mercenary. Okay. All right. Well, it is what it is. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever the case is, I'm really interested to kind of my, like go deeper into this well. And I'm really, they have, they, they must be leaving some of this a little obtuse because I bet we're going to find out a lot of things about Mandalore in the Siege of Mandalore come Clone Wars next month. Oh my God, it's next month? Next month, ah, February seventeenth, okay. I think. February is next month. <laughs> oh God, it's never going to end. Hey, remember when we started this podcast? We're like, we'll do the three movies and then we'll see. We've 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 created this universe of Star Wars content, um, which is awesome. Anyway, okay, so uh, inexplicably, the one inexplicable thing that happened in this episode <clears throat> was Moff Gideon being like, "I'm going to give you seventeen hours." <laughs> to come to a decision after my yeah, big speech. That was good. 17 hours have passed, plot. I will come back and kill you. So to me, that was like maybe one flaw. Although you could certainly chalk it up to Moff Gideon being like a pompous douche. But at the same time, I think like uh that was the one thing where I was like, come on, guys, you could have you could have figured this out. It's it's not impossible to believe that he didn't want to have to waste the stormtrooper lives in his legion in a world where it's harder and harder to scrape together resources and giving them amount of time. Why 17 hours? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's wasn't technically 17. It was like till sunset or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was till sun sundown or whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was, that seemed like plot armor and like weird plot armor. Like you could have just cut this in a way where IG 11's, arrival just made more sense we didn't have to wait yeah so i i I found that very odd so um they're sitting there they're trying to figure out a way out they're trying to get out the sewer grate right that doesn't work so well 
Um, <laughs> Actually, this is the point where I got I got grumpy, and usually I let this stuff go, but I'm like, mother effers, the Death Star, you just shot the great once, and it exploded. Do you mean to tell me this cantina's got better great That was a flaw than- in its very complex design, Garrett. This cantina does not have a complex design. Are we going back to Rogue One and uh, Mickelson uh, went, went and uh, also put a flaw in the detention cell grates, just in case? <laughs> i can't uh, wait know. for rogue two. <laughs> oh. oh geez uh but I, I mean all of this stuff is like you say it, it is kind of just plot armor and and it's it's a tradition to have a, a a shootout story that has a shootout then a lull for everyone to try to you know figure out and regroup and then have the final shootout that is epic uh and 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 there has to be a way to escape uh, you know, there has to be a, a, a possible way out of the Alamo. Uh, and that's that's kind of what we're getting here. Yes, yeah. because and I don't remember how this happens because it's been 17 weeks since I saw this episode. We get IG-11. And I it, do you guys remember how it happened? Because I think it was pretty cool. How what happened? IG-11, IG-11 showing, showed up, up. showing up on the speeder bike. Yeah. Yes. Everything about that was amazing. And also, why did he take the child with him? Well, where else are you going to put it? <laughs> Leave it in the ship. Uh, Lock know. it up. Didn't they say like your ship isn't going to be safe here? Those Jawas. That's what Mando used to do, though. That's true. And Mando well, went out of his Mando's way ship to got strip too. So um, yeah. I think Mando went out of his way to say that if you activated a certain security protocol, that like no one was going to get into the ship or something. But yeah. what? Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter because IG Eleven is such a murder machine. The child that was the I think that I I just read it as the safest place for the child to be is with me is Papoost yeah. to IG 11's chest. Even with people shooting at me, I will keep this child safer if it's attached to the me. The whole I I just love the way that we have we have finally gotten to see an IG unit go full bore because uh, mm-hmm. I always thought it was a cool design, even though it's very retro like by today's standards it's kind of funky looking but boy the way they have decided to just make how it how would an ig unit fight it makes total sense it's just yeah the direction its body is facing is completely irrelevant so it's a killing machine yeah god yeah it's like i love coming in child in the front and then torso rotates but then everything else rotates in the opposite direction it doesn't matter anymore continue murdering things it was great um yeah, and I loved God, they do so much with the base puppetry. And I don't know if there's any little bit of CGI that goes into Baby Yoda, but um the way that he was on the speeder bike in the pouch just like ah was fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. I think we've we've definitely gotten some CG shots of Baby Yoda, but I think it's usually when he's walking. Right. But generally that's puppetry. I don't know. It's there's some pretty subtle stuff going on there. Now, this child has expressed the force before, but you could believe before that maybe it was just like instinctual, you know, like in, yeah. in the heat of the moment sort of thing, uh, like deflecting the flamethrower in this in this episode. But when the child heals Mando, uh, it, there's no doubt that this is, you know, and we not that we haven't seen this kind of thing exactly before, but it erased all doubts of me that this child knows what it's doing. This isn't just you know, blindly stumbling around and accidentally using the force for good. Did the child heal Mando as well? That was, that was IG in this one. Or am I forgetting something? Did what? The child, you said the child healed Mando. What did he heal? Oh, sorry, sorry. 
Yeah, you're right. IG eleven heals Mando. Oh, yeah, the 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 um. You're talking. Oh, the previous episode was heal, heals Karga. grief. Karga. Yeah, grief. There we okay, go. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. I'm, that was in an earlier episode. This is the only episode I've only watched once because then the holidays hit. So I legitimately thought I forgot something. No, 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 no. I was getting confused about when the healing happened. Yeah. Okay. So, um, right. So they. IG-11 shows up, carves a path through the stormtroopers, um, and then is able to, I think, right, uh, break down the 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 grating, right? Cut yeah, it just kind of takes it apart. And then everybody goes, but Mando has been injured and cannot go, and this right. is where we get the super iconic reveal of the face. Yes, so iconic that it was just Pedro Pascal with sweaty hair. Yep. <laughs> I love that. That's the problem with all, all of us knowing what Pedro Pascal looks like, right? Yeah. Uh, he, But he did look sufficiently like stressed out about it, which I thought was like a very nice vulnerable moment. Yeah, um, definitely. I like that. And the whole go- thing where IG-11 was basically just like, I'm not a living thing. You could show me your face. I thought right. it really worked. I, cool. I, I like that we got an arc on Mand- Mando's droid racism. Yeah. Like I did yeah. at first I was like, are we just, are we just having fun with this because it's, it's safe to make vaguely racist jokes because it's a droid or are we actually going to have something to say here? And like, I'm like, wow, damn, you had something to say and you used droids to say it. Yep. Well, and it, it makes sense that, you know, we, we've had this buildup in the prequels of, of the, the droid army. Uh, we, we've had the revelation that the, the droids were the ones coming for, for him and his family. Uh, so, of course, he would have this, this sort of cultural and personal resentment against droids and would have to have an actual, like, killer droid uh, be the one to save him for him to finally overcome it. It, it was well done. Yeah. And then he sprays, IG-11 sprays him with like a puff of Bacta for a brain injury. And he's fine. Luke had to go into a whole tank. A whole yeah. tank. It was just five years ago. Now they have portable Bacta for brain it's injury. amazing, the advancements well, in medicine. You know, fantastic. it's a concussion versus a wampa thrashing, you know. Sure. sure. Plus being left out in the elements inside a tauntaun for 12 hours. So... Yeah. I, anyway, I thought it was kind of cool. So they <laughs> hobble off. And then, oh my God, so much happened in this episode. Um, they get into the tunnels and there shows up the 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 carver, the builder, the, the ar- burner, the the armor. The armor everywhere. The plot armor. Like yeah. The plot armor. <laughs> this this is your like loadout screen in every video game, by the way. This is like you're going into your Call of Duty matches, like, what gun do I want? What grenade? Uh I'll uh, take a couple perks. Yeah, I'll take the jetpack perk. Why not? Um, it was wonderful. Uh also there was a revelation that most of the Mandalorians in the covert are dead, that they were murdered. No. Why and- didn't they just leave then? I, I, yeah, they, they should have. I mean, they were this all is the flying way. Jenny, anyway. This is the way. <laughs> this is the. Also, after watching the scout troopers' aim, I really don't buy that the Mandalorians would be uh, owned by Imperials in their own home. But you unless know, the Death Troopers took them out first, I do like the thought that the Imperials didn't actually make that foreboding stack of helmets; that it was the armor <laughs> just collecting all the scrap materials. Yeah. Before she yep. left. Um. um so then she gets to make him, he gets his little insignia, which I guess is a dragon. Did it's it look the mud like horn. a dragon? The mud horn. It's the mud, the mud horn. horn that he killed. Because yeah. it symbolizes the bond between the yep. Mando and the child. Okay. Um, I thought then, he was getting a, a baby Yoda 
signet. And frankly, yeah. I feel robbed <laughs> that that's not what we, we, we were treated yeah. to. So then officially the baby, the child becomes his foster, his little um, foundling. His foundling. Yeah. Yep. And, and the Mandalorian uh, creed continues. So we're definitely going to get baby Yoda Mandalorian armor in a future episode, uh, right? Right. Uh, yes. I mean, yes. Um, so, <laughs> uh, then he gets a jetpack, which was really great. And it was like, she was like, you're going to have to train for many, many hours to use this jetpack. You will not even be able to turn this jetpack on until you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hold for later. And gets the quest to find the child's people, yes. which is what we all want. We all want to know where Yoda came from and where this child came from. And that's going to be the quest in season two. I love that. It's almost as if you were Dave Filoni and you'd spent mm. decades mm -hmm. uh, knowing what people really wanted from Star Wars. And then they kind of like let you play in a live action universe. And you said, you know what, John would be really cool. It would be cool. <laughs> you know what people always write us about? Like, yeah. <laughs> so then they trumble on down the hallway and they, I guess they fight their way out. Right. Because they, a bunch, a whole bunch of stormtroopers are at the no, they well, no, the, our, our heroes get away scot free. The armorer stays behind to right. literally crack some skulls. And yes. I did not know that I needed a, a Mandalorian hammer fight versus stormtroopers, but apparently I did <laughs> because that was one of the coolest fight scenes I've ever seen. The, one of the yeah. things that really hasn't been played with too much is the physical breaking of stormtrooper armor from impacts like when she hits that one in the helmet and it, it you see the it crack and shatter like ah yes more of that please yeah um so then uh they get on a droid boat at the yeah broken droid boat they yeah. repair the droid the ask the 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 <laughs> the freaking like gazelle legged astromech droid i love it it was great just stands every up. time they just take a little bit and just tweak it. Yeah. It's really awesome. What if we just tacked really long legs onto an astromech droid? Wow, that looks ridiculous. Too, is so upset that he never got I could have had legs. Beep, burp, burp. Do you know how um, long it takes me to go upstairs? <laughs> somebody fixed my little jetpacks. And this droid um, doesn't even have to leave the gondola. It just sits in it all day. So then at the end of the tunnel, there's a lot of stormtroopers. And this is where you get IG-11 becoming the hero <laughs> Uh, uh, by sacrificing himself to save the child. Cue yeah, the but kind music. of putting a, an underline on Mando's droid yeah. relation because now not only has a droid saved his life, but a droid has sacrificed itself for yeah. him. Yeah, yep. and and the others. Was and anyone it was else a very? Sorry, go ahead. Was anyone else humming the Terminator Two music while this was happening? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lava. <laughs> droid and uh just wading through it and then taking out uh with his self-destruct mechanism uh all the stormtroopers yes. and you think that would be enough right he finally got episode. to self-destruct yeah he got to self-destruct paying off the very first episode right and then everybody thinks they're okay grief karga and cara doom they're gonna you know start up an alliance and the Mandalorian's got his quest and everybody thinks they're safe and happy. And the emperor, the Imperials are never coming back to this planet. Right. We're all done. We're and all it's done. off to season two. Yeah. Except 
uh, all of a sudden you see this TIE fighter and you think everybody's in it's dead. But then someone starts cutting through the hole from the inside with something that looks very familiar. <laughs> uh, it's the Darksaber, you guys. Oh, man. I got yeah. a whole episode on this. Katie and I were uh, screeching. And th- this was probably one of my favorite moments of Star Wars fandom uh, because Katie and I are pretty pretty skewed in what we are really into in Star Wars. I, I, she is much more an animated Star Wars fan than she is a Star Wars film fan. Mm. Uh, and it was, I was so stoked because like I, I, in the very early days of our relationship, I would just like force Star Wars on her. Like you will like this. Um, Cause she didn't grow up with it. And so huh. the, we're both sitting there. And when we both started shouting expletives excitedly at the top of our lungs because a black lightsaber blade punctured the <laughs> TIE fighter from the inside out was probably my single favorite <laughs> moment in Star Wars. Yeah, it was pretty great. And it just like it, I was screaming at the top of my lungs and I was like, what's wrong? Which tells you everything you need to know about like the split. Um, but my favorite part is what characters it potentially brings into play in season two. Because once you bring the dark saber in, you you have to explain in some way where it came from, and that opens up a lot of potential people to show up here. I, I, yes, yes, or in maybe uh, this 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 series <laughs> hasn't shown much predilection for bringing in previous characters though true uh and or explaining but things. it just did because the dark saber in my mind it brought the dark saber in but it, it, it i'm gonna guess that they won't spend a lot of time explaining where it came from but I'm uh, guess that that'll be trickled word. out throughout the next season of what it is and what yeah. it means and and I, as much as i'd love to see sabine you know jet in here at some point uh i doubt i doubt we get that yeah but you might get an explanation of where it went in clone wars right well it oh, was well, uh, last time we saw it was rebels so we already know rebels, what happened right, right, to right, a right, post clone wars yeah because right. that's the thing was like my thought was well if gideon was in the purge did he when did the purge take place because we're assuming this the is purge is a separate event from, from the, the siege, siege of mandalore, mandalore. yeah yeah so I'm wondering if the purge was post rebels. I bet it was. <laughs> I think it have. Well, it wouldn't have to be actually. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's never anyway. mentioned in rebels, which right. You think it would have been, but they could always soft retcon that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, lack, for lack of a better word, I'm using retcon just, I don't, I don't use it as a, but it was last word. left by Sabine on Mandalore. And yes. something happened since. So it makes sense that he would have got it in the purge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty awesome episode of a pretty awesome season. Cause you have to get the dark saber by taking it from its previous owner. That's right. the tradition anyway. So and it kind of makes sense on. that well, since, since, since the dark saber was left on Mandalore that, uh, uh, Gideon came in, killed everyone, and took the dark saber. Well, she didn't just it leave it on Mandalore. She gave it to Sabine's sister. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying that's where it was. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I guess you're right. Sabine's sister could have left Mandalore with the dark saber, but I'm guessing it makes sense that he killed her. Yeah. So yeah. his last left with Satine Kreese's sister, Bo Katan Kreese, as as the nominal ruler-ish mm-hmm. type person of Mandalore. Yeah. So something so has the pre- happened. The purge happened since then. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, 
I think we should cut our losses, guys. <laughs> Before we not remember anything else. <laughs> uh, but this was an awesome, awesome episode, an awesome season. And like, I can't believe they did it so right. I mean, there, we, we all had our various issues with some of the middle episodes, but yeah. they were never bad. Yeah. And uh, this strong, strong ending uh, just makes me like the entire season. It forgives any of the parts that I, I didn't love. Yes. For me, anyway. I, I really do think this is my favorite thing to come out of Disney-owned Star Wars. Like, overall. Wow. Like, I really like the new movies. Um, all of them. <laughs> Like I have a weird soft spot in my heart for solo. You all know that. Uh, (laughs) And I do enjoy the new trilogy, but when I feel this is the one that I nitpicked the least that for the most part outside of the heist episode, because I just couldn't stand Bill Burr cast as gun suspenders, man. uh, (laughs) I, 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 it was, this was the easiest for me to turn my brain off and just get wrapped up in it. And even when I turned my brain on, I didn't have that much to gripe about. I, and and what I love too is the way we're left is an entirely new, unexplored uh, quest for the next season. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, All right. And, so this is what I want. Saying to- goodbye to grief and Kara is sort of hard, especially Kara because I like that character. But it doesn't mean they won't show back up. It doesn't mean they will show back up. Uh, and it just leaves us with good questions, including a very you know important thing that I care about, which is where did the child come from. I hope they both show up again. Uh, maybe Grief Karga make him do in-person scenes and not hologram scenes, but uh, <laughs> he's better in the, in the in-person scenes. <laughs> My favorite Grief Karga is when they were stuck in the cantina in the last episode. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted from this character. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just being like, oh, yeah, this is not going to plan. I'm sorry. I, I could absolutely see in the adventures of the next season, uh, the Mandalorian, you know, landing on a planet and, oh, look who's here. Cara Dune just happened to be, you know, tripsing by on some other thing and they team up again. Yeah. But what, what I wanted to get into when you were mentioning kind of Quill dying. So with Quill being dead, like dead, dead, we even got a burial scene in this. Yeah. Uh, Cara, saying goodbye to Cara Dune, saying goodbye to Grief Cargo, and also IG-11 dying. I, I think we're like going to step up in the the scope of what we're dealing with in, in the Star Wars galaxy in season two of The Mandalorian. I think like, I, I keep thinking about this as a video game. And I think season one was like the starter Diablo town. And I think yeah. we're about to like take a step up into much larger stakes and uh, players in this world. I think we're done with backwater. You think these are our first steps into a much larger world? I think it is, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're done with a backwater town that has one cantina and maybe, maybe we go I, to the core. Maybe we, I really hope we get all new enemies in the next season. In other words, it was nice to have the remnants of the empire be the villains, uh, because that was, that was a, a, a cool way to look at the empire that was different than the first order. Uh, but I, I, I want him to be going off into the unknown realms and unknown enemies. Yep. I, I think the empire is going to be a f- bit of a fixture for all of it until Gideon is dead. Gideon is well, Gideon as, as a representative, you're absolutely right. He ain't going. Yeah. I, I guess my question is now that it was that it was that his platoon. And now that they're dead, is he just out of resources so it's just getting well, that pursuit. could fit my my wishes is if if gideon goes off and musters up some new people to follow him 
then Cara Dune and Grief Karga are in for a surprise. Mm. Gideon finds the one last Inquisitor just hanging out. Oh boy, here we go. Ronan Inquisitor <laughs> doesn't have a master anymore. What if uh, what if uh, Gideon comes in at the col- at the head of a column of, of Chiss mercenaries? Oh, I mean, if we go to the unknown regions, right? And who was going out to the unknown regions in search of someone that mm-hmm. knew a lot of things about Mandalorian culture mm-hmm. and the arc of the dark saber? Mm. Oh, just saying. I just think it's more possible saying. than any other thing. Just saying. Go out to the unknown regions. Just throwing regions, it out there. Crash land on a planet. And suddenly, a very brightly colored Mandalorian and a, a tall Togruta in a, in a white cloak looking somewhat like an orange Gandalf shows up. You guys, <laughs> I would just pass out. <laughs> I'll need a new TV after that because my screech will be so high-pitched it will crack the screen. It'll shatter the glass. It'll yeah. shatter it, yes, yes. Which is fine. I need to make the jump to 4K anyway. So, Anyways, um, yeah, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly happy with the Mandalorian and uh, the wait's going to be really long. I hope to God we get more episodes. Give me more than eight. I, you know, I, I don't think we will. And I'm kind of okay with that as much as I agree with you that I want more. I may not like getting what I want. There's, there's something about having this limited amount of episodes that, that keeps it tight. They're expensive. They are expensive. Disney got cash though. <laughs> I was saying, I bet they're looking at how many people are signing up for the Mandalorian right now going, ah, oh, uh, all right. They, they know where those eyeballs are going. And it's not to DuckTales reruns, even though my eyeballs are also going there a little bit. Haven't watched the High School Musical original series. I'm sure it's great. The, uh, I finally cracked the seal on the Imagineering series. It's incredible. Isn't it great? It's so, all of them. It's so good. It's also kind of one-sided, but it's so good. And it's also got a Star Wars part at the end. So um, it's worth... Even if you just wanted to watch the last episode of it to see the Star Wars stuff about Galaxy's Edge, that would be worth it. Um, If you're into ride spoilers, don't watch it. Mm. Uh, But um, it it is. But the whole series, just in the way that the Imagineers think and what they did, it's pretty good. I would. Yeah, I learned I was born in the wrong decade because I want to paint birds for the tiki lounge uh, so anyways around the table before we leave jenny josephson where can everyone find you my backyard i'm doing <laughs> composting you guys come on by come on by and have some black gold with jenny um i'm on twitter j-e-n-n-i-e-j 23 uh probably talking about composting in the near future let's talk about composting will be our new spinoff show Fantastic. i can't think of anything that would be more southern californian then <laughs> let's talk about composting. Tom Merritt, when you're not composting or talking about Star Wars, where can everyone find you? I'll be planting my Christmas tree in the front yard, uh, but you can uh, follow all the things that I do at TomMerritt.com. That's T-O-M-M-E-R-R-I-T-T.com. I'll be planting my lime and lemon trees, but other than that, I'm Garrett Art on Twitter, and all the podcasts are at amove.tv. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash let's talk about Star Wars. You can write in to feedback at let's talk about Star Wars.com. And until next time, may the force be with you. Rest in peace, Temin. Initiate self-destruct. Do not self-destruct!
I was watching Once Upon a Time in, Me- uh, not in Mexico, in, in Hollywood for the first time last night or two nights oh, ago. Wow. Hadn't seen it yet. And during the scenes where Leonardo DiCaprio is playing an actor acting poorly, it made me think of the Grief Karga hologram scenes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 